guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And it's good to be back. We had a couple weeks off where we didn't really do much for the news with some stuff we had going on, but it's great to be back here. I'm excited for today's episode. We've got a bunch of news. We have a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. We've got uh, a special guest calling in. Uh, Jake got a new car, got rid of some other cars. (laughs) I did a lot of progress on my 911. I've sold the Mercedes. I mean, there's all kinds of things. Things are happening. Things are happening. Many, many, many things are happening all at once, which is always makes for a fun episode to talk about all of it. But before we get into that, what have we got? Well, the first thing that's happening is my wheels from the 911 are showing up, I think, like tomorrow or any day now. They've been in the mail. And so those are, of course, my wheels by Hot Rods by Boyd. They've been established since 1978 by the legendary hot rod builder Boyd Coddington, and they're dedicated to building the finest wheels on the planet for a wide range of vehicles. All the wheels are made 100% to order, CNC machined right here in the good old US of A. And so these Porsche wheels that I have, if you missed, they're called the Model C. It's like billet, right? They're, billet. Yep, they're full billet recreations of the like classic Porsche Steely, 100% custom-made aluminum alloy. Kind of looks like a 356 or like a 906 wheel or exactly, something like yeah. that. It's basically a wide and steely, but all in billet aluminum. So that's going to be really awesome. Uh, check them out if you're looking for Porsche wheels at alloyreplicas.com. Otherwise, check out all of their offerings at hotrodsbyboyd.com. And you, Jake, have been through a lot. And by um, a lot, I mean, most people have seen tumultuous week. I got some text messages last week that were like, is Jake okay? What happened? What's going on? Is what happened? I saw this picture on. I don't remember where people saw. it. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning. Okay. so last Saturday, I went and drove my truck up north to do fun Wisconsin outdoor things. I let the dog run around out on a friend's property and I was shooting guns and sighting in a new rifle and doing all that sort of fun stuff. And in the midst of this, I got my truck stuck in the woods. Because it's not a real truck. I guess. Can we? Sure. Okay, so. It does not have locking diffs, right. which is disappointing. Right. Right. So, yes, that's why it got stuck. But, of course, I was Most overconfident. Don't. No, they Let's don't. Be honest, yeah. Because it has, you know, it's it's tall and it's got the big meaty tires on it. And so I get in there and I'm like. Was it just muddy? It was muddy. It was like, it was super deep snow, but it was all melting. And so underneath it, it's it just, just muck. So it's slick. like a foot of snow and then a foot of mud. Yep. Great combo. So, ironically, you pull in and it's stuck. And I was like, I don't feel like dealing with that right now. Let's go have fun. And then we'll come back and on our way out, figure out what we need to do. Did it freeze to the ground? No, it didn't, <laughs> but it didn't get any better. Right. So we tried like, I don't know, getting some uh, kind of ruts made for it, going back and forth, rocking it back and forth. And, and so I'm kind of revving the piss out of it. This cold engine. Yeah, I'm kind of thrashing it. And as I'm doing that, Are you I'm angry? hearing. Oh, yeah. I'm hearing frustrated, not angry. I'm hearing some noises that I shouldn't be hearing. And I'm like, I think maybe that's the transfer case because I'm in low range. Maybe that's just weird. And I was like, oh, that's that doesn't sound like transmission or transfer case. That sounds like engine. And What's it's like su- it's it sounded just like valve train noise at first. Okay, like a little tick. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, okay, whatever. So finally, we get out. I had to have my friend's wife come in their forerunner and pull me out. Yep, that sounds about right. they were on <laughs> pavement. So I could have pulled just about anything out if I was on pavement. But I'm guaranteeing you that that forerunner wouldn't have been stuck where you are. You don't think so? Those have locking differentials. Yeah, it's shit tires, too. Well... 
Locking diffs makes a big difference. It, it really does. trumps tiger quality. <laughs> yeah. So, in this case. Regardless, I get out and we're like, all right, well, let's go out to dinner and start heading down the road. And I took a video of what that car sounded like. And you, you sent me this video. We should actually play it. Yeah, let's do that. So this sounded that sounds bad. Bad. It sounds I bad. I thought it was the transmission that it like sheared off a gear tooth or something, and it's rattling around in the transmission. Was it? But it was doing it in any gear. It was doing it in any gear, and it matched the revs, and so it was like just toast. And I called my buddy. I was like, I gotta. We're not driving this. So luckily, we were like a quarter mile from my parents' cabin. Right. So I limped it over there and just parked it. And I was like, all right. So then I called Nikki. I was like. Yeah, truck's toast. Either we have to meet halfway somewhere. I don't want to make my buddy drive an hour down to the cities, drop me off, and then drive an hour back. Right. She's like, all right, that's okay. I'll come up and meet you guys. Sure. Come get you. And at this point, were you thinking of turning your gun on the truck? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I didn't know what was wrong yet. Okay. I was thinking like, oh, transmissions toast. Meanwhile, I'm looking at transmissions on eBay for like $200. Right. Because no it's a deal. Chevy transmission. Right. right. And so then I get a call from Nikki while we're having dinner at the bar. Um, I'm not going to be able to come get you. I just got in an accident. I was like, what? That's all the info I got. She goes, I got to go. The cops here. So I and then she like, hangs up the phone and then she hangs up the phone, which is terrible. Jeez. So it turns out she was on Highway 36 coming up to get me, which means it's my fault. No, she didn't blame me. But Highway 36 is terrible. I was just driving on it today. You go like you're going. I was going 80 and people were passing me like, what are you doing going so slow? Yeah. Then there are stoplights every mile or two. Yeah. So you're going from 80 to a dead stop and vice versa. And you have some people that have not stopped or the lights turning. And so regardless, Someone slammed on their brakes and there was like a three or four car pile up and she was last in line and slammed in this car. Right. And she luckily and there, was no, is, there was no injuries. It's, it's toast. It's toast. She She's, told me she was walking around picking up parts of the car. So I think like <laughs> I, I've never really been in a bad accident, but I think she was kind of in shock. Like she got out of the car. She made sure everyone's okay being a medical person. Yeah. And then is that the new term that we use? <laughs> because saying doctor is not gender specific. We don't say medical, medical person. person. I don't know if people know she's a physician. So yeah. I just said medical person. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, she's in the medical field, whatever. So after she did that, she is like kind of in shock. That's and what it probably says on her degree. Yeah, she's like, congratulations, person. Nikki Solberg. You are a <laughs> medical person. Yay. <laughs> exactly. No, but she says she's like went out the car and started picking up pieces of the car like she picked up the little Audi rings off that and like picked up a panel and she's like I don't know what I was doing I just felt like I needed to pick it up and the cop gets there and the car is totaled it's done she's luckily not injured she like is a little shaken up and and so, so here we are on a search for a new vehicle right and you came and picked me up in a mini cooper because we went to look at a couple right cars. so in the meantime we're, we have no cars in the span of two hours both of our cars are toast toast i offered you the mercedes i know and i luckily here's what's great about this community i had an outpouring of people like if you need anything you can borrow a car like yeah. i had numerous people say that which is 
awesome. Yeah. It really is. The fans are awesome. Yeah. And anyway, someone took a picture, was driving by the scene of the accident and posted. They're like, oh, no, this poor RS4. And how did they know it was yours? Because it said RS4. <laughs> they didn't know. They just said, oh, no, this poor RS4. And yeah, but everybody knew. And then there's says, like 100 comments all right away. There's like, oh, no, that's Jake or Jake's it wife. Says, it's or the, it's RS4, the RS4, RS4. <laughs> right. So, yeah, in the meantime, I'm borrowing my sister's Mini Cooper. And you picked me up to go to Westside to look at a couple cars, Westside yep. Volkswagen. And I, I got to tell you also, though, the insurance company paid for a rental yeah. for my wife's car. And we get over there and they're like, well, you get a Ford Fusion. Meanwhile, she hasn't showed up. She's meeting there. You got a Ford Fusion. Otherwise, we have like a, a Camaro here. You can do it. I was like, let's do the Camaro. Yeah, why not? Right why not? And she's like, oh, my God, this is the worst car ever. She hates it because she's like, I feel like I should be wearing a backwards hat and whistling at girls with tramp stamps. I mean, that's not too far <laughs> off. But, you know, I was thinking, because I was sending her Hellcats, because I was on the Hellcat yeah. train from the episode the other yeah. day. And she's like, no way. Yeah. Not a chance. Yeah. Not possible. Yeah. And now that makes sense, knowing that she didn't like the Camaro. Right. But exactly. you like the Camaro. Actually, it's really good build quality, actually. Yeah, except for you couldn't see over the steering wheel. <laughs> oh, my God. Visibility is terrible in that thing. It's like sitting in a coffin. Right. Well, you're 5'7", right? Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure I am, Chris. Thanks. Thanks for that. Um, no, so we go shopping for well, most red-blooded americans are like five nine right five ten do you think it would have been easier so i'm for not red-blooded uh or you're not an american one of the two thanks <laughs> thanks but it was good you took me for a ride and the thing was actually it was the four cylinder and it still kind of ripped it was the four or the six i don't remember but wow. yeah it was pretty good yeah um yeah so we went car shopping i wanted a cayenne like gts there's one with a six-speed manual that i thought would be really cool and then you're like, well, let's go look at some different cars. And so you wanted me to test drive a Macan, a yep. Porsche Macan. And so we rode the base model, and it was nice. They are nice cars. Super high quality. And so then I went on this thing, and I test drove like three other Macans, one of which was a turbo. They're all turbo. I hate right. it. It's right. Just I know. Yeah. It's instead of the two liter turbo, it was the 3.6 twin turbo. Why did okay. they just call it a Macan and a Macan S? Because they have a Macan S. So then it could be a Macan SL. I mean, why or a Macan SS. RS or just <laughs> yeah. anything? Why does it just? It's silly. Well, why is it a Taycan Turbo too? Exactly, exactly the point. Oh. Yeah. But in the midst of car shopping, another uh, tangent I have explained. So uh, I have a good friend over at the Porsche dealer, and they had a Taycan sitting out front. He goes, "We obviously can't sell it yet. This is just kind of a demo car, and we don't let people drive it. But a lot of our clients will take out, show it to them." Mm -hmm. I was like, "Can I be I'm, a, I'm client? a client? <laughs> I'm a client." So I got to ride in the Taycan. And it is amazing. Yeah, pretty quick. Very quick. But the first thing you did is call me to tell me it was lame compared to a Tesla. Well, so I get done with that and I go next door to the Tesla and I tell them, I go, I just rode a Taycan. It was amazing. Sell me on a Model S instead. And so he's like, well, this one you can drive. No problem there. Yeah. And so he tosses me. It's not a key. I think he didn't even the fob, the whatever. Yeah. And so we get in. It was the Model S P90D. So it's kind of the the big well, there's one. There's a P100D, I think. Is that, you might be right. Yeah. But whatever. Um, and it was faster. And mm, I doubt it. Yeah, they are actually faster than the Taycan. Uh, Zero to 60. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're not. not yes, they are. Not on paper, they're not. On paper, they are. It's 2.8 seconds in like 2.9 or 3. No, it's it? 2.5 versus 2.4. <laughs> 
There's no way that you were able to tell the difference between the two. No. And the only reason you're able to tell the difference between the two. Because I knew that. Because you were driving yeah, A right. versus riding and you've maybe felt like it was a little bit faster. But regardless, it's half the price and the technology is so much better. What technology? The self-driving mode is like, it was mind-boggling to me. So the, you have to experience it. It was, it changed my perspective. There is no real self-driving mode. It, it drove for me. Okay, but you did not experience that in the Taycan. You realize that that's not what the Taycan's purpose is. Right. It's a completely different thing. You can't think, well, the technology is way better than this other technology that this other car isn't built for. That doesn't make any sense. It, my money, that would have gone to the, the Tesla, hands down. Why? Just because it was faster? Half the price. Okay, anything that's comparable and half the price, why wouldn't you go with that one, first of all? Okay, then why would, not, why would anybody buy a GT3 instead of a, a Hellcat? Tell me why. Tell me the reason why someone's buying that GT3. Because they're not comparable. Neither is the Tesla Model S and a Taycan. Just because they both have the same type of drivetrain doesn't make them comparable cars. The only reason those two are comparable cars is because they're the only luxury uh, cars that are in that segment right, right now. This segment where only a few cars exist, so you're forced to compare the two. They're not the same. If you were to ever take that car out like on the Overcrest Rally, you would not want to drive the Tesla. You'd want to have the Taycan. It's a better handling car. It can be, it can uh, be beat on a, a lot longer without having to be stopped. It doesn't probably doesn't right. warn you. But it probably doesn't have to warm the batteries up if you want to watch it. For ninety percent, ninety nine percent of what anyone buying either of those cars is doing, the Tesla in my mind is a much who are you to say value. who's buying what? I, They're not the same purpose. They don't exist. In the, the only reason you can compare the two is because it's the only cars that exist that are have electric motors that are fast. That's the only reason you can compare the two. Very, very similar styling, similar proportions. No, they're Sim not. Yes, it's, they are. There's many, many cars that are aerodynamically similar. That doesn't mean that they need to com be compared to each other. <laughs> have you driven either of these? No, I have not. You have not been in either of these. I have not been in either. Your of arguments them. are invalid. I hate that, <laughs> but I still think I'm right. I think I still think well, you're, I know that I still you can think, be 100% wrong and still think you're right. I think you're comparing two things that are not comparable. Regardless, that's, that's like saying I'm going to compare this pie with this chicken because I okay. can eat both even of if them. I not, even without comparing them, I will just say my perception and perspective of the Tesla is vastly different after driving one. Even though it has horrible consumer reports ratings, it's terribly unreliable. The experience I had was amazing, and it changed my perspective. That's it. Just because it was really fast and drove itself. Yeah. Okay, that sounds very you. I'll, 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 <laughs> Are you I'll give surprised you that. by that? I guess I'm not. I, so, long story short, I bought a Porsche Macan Turbo. It's really quick. You've Yeah, it's 400 horsepower of... Yep. of I don't know why. I still don't understand why you need 400 horsepower in SUV. Well, no one needs 400 horsepower in anything, Chris. You do if you want to have fun, but you've already got a fun vehicle. Yeah, that's, now that's I have what another I have, one. That's what I have trouble. Now I have another you know, one. Yeah, I, I'm fighting with myself with the same problem a little bit because, <laughs> you know, I sold the, the AMG. Right. Uh, well, tentatively, I have a deposit on it. Okay. And I'm trying to figure out what else I would want to buy. And right. in my mind, I go, well, I should just you know, pay some bills and drive the 190 and I have a 911 as a fun car. But on the other hand, I'm like, boy, there's an E39 M5 I really want to get that I 
haven't quite looked at yet because I don't want to waste the guy's time if I'm not 100% serious. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I don't... Wait, unlike everyone else looking at a used car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, right? You know what I mean? People... Oh, I hate tire kickers. I've had that problem over the last couple of days. I, I believe I, you. I still have the, the Mercedes up for sale um, just because I've only received a deposit and the guy's not right. going to be back you don't for forever. Wanna- Count um, your eggs before they hatch. Exactly. Or and or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm going to come over tomorrow. I'll be there. I'll call you in the morning. No call. Hey, are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Okay. Well, when would you like to come? Just no, no response. There needs to be a nationwide database of deadbeats like this, <laughs> where you can just be like, yeah, this is Bob. This is his phone number. He said he was going to be there. He's not there. So you could go put the phone number in sure. when someone's going to yeah. buy a car and you could have like a deep. It could it's be like, like Angie's list for used cars. I was going to think Better Business Bureau. They could have a rating yeah, of A minus B, like F. The guy I dealt with the other day has got to be an F. Oof. That guy sucks. And there yeah. was another guy who uh, um, was like, hey, I'd really like to see your 190E. I don't know if it's for sale or not. You know, what do you want for it? I said, you know what? I'm not really selling it, but if you want to give me four grand, it's yours. You know, we can do something. Do you want to come look? He's like, yes, I'll, I'm super serious. I'll be there tomorrow. Tomorrow comes along. Nothing in the evening. Like, hey, what's up? He's like, yeah, oh, yeah, happened? my mom came into town. Sorry. <laughs> okay, dude. Well, <laughs> then you had obviously just just test me in the yeah. morning. Just say, hey, just communicate. Just communicate. It's it's so they, they both get an F on the uh, on, on that program. But I also did get some stuff done on the car, the 911. Right. And a really, really really frustrating day and this is i guess this is yesterday <laughs> it would have been yesterday yeah and it's because these parts do not fit right and i'm not going to throw the company under the bus because nobody's parts fit okay so this is like kind of like an industry thing but i have this inner fender and then i have a lower inner fender and i have a floor panel that right. the control arm mounting point or the steering rack it's all just to. stamped steel, steel panels that are aftermarket i understand that it doesn't bolt to my car and it doesn't just line up with my car. Right. But these parts should at least line up with themselves. <laughs> right. <laughs> because they're brand new and they come from the same company and they do not. Which they yeah. don't. So I had to fiddle around. Like there's this, uh, I don't even want to get into it, but there's these parts that just don't. I had to beat the hell out of this one part with a hammer, this, con- this control arm mounting yeah. thing, just to get it to lay flat to, so I could weld it to the car. Wow. It's just, why doesn't this stuff just fit? Why do they not go from one stamp and the other and just lay it out on the floor? Well, and go, well before hey, they this... made the actual stamping molds themselves, they would do that. But well, the, the, yeah, I just uh, someone told me all well, the stampings wear out. The the I'm, really, I mean, come on, what are we doing here? Um, uh, also, spent be. a lot of time planning the uh, uh, my route to the Valkyrie Run, right? Which is the uh, the Luftkult official run across the country. Yeah, uh, for for heading out there, all the guys from the West Coast, all the Airco guys. I f- imagine it being like this tsunami or a snowball, <laughs> where start starts out as this little thing of of. Guy. Well, it won't be little because you're gonna have everyone from the West Coast meeting well, in Utah. Yeah, I think you're probably right, but I I still have this feeling that I have this stereotype that most Porsche guys in California don't really drive their cars. <laughs> they kind of go up to Angeles Crest and like drive around a little bit, and, and then go. You know back the video down. where you see like Matt Farah and Jay. Yeah, yeah they're always out there. They go drive around their little road and. And they're like, yeah, cool, man. And then they drive back to their cars and coffee event. Right. They don't, they're not really forced to drive anywhere because everything is there, right? It's the Mecca. Sure. Everything yeah. is there. They can get up at 530 in the morning on Sunday, drive somewhere, have their decaffeinated coffee. But 
here's what's cool is we're going to have this little snowball of Porsche guys starting in the West Coast. We're all going to meet in Escalante, Utah, which is yeah. where the start of the Valkyrie run is. And then everything else I can't really talk about because you got to kind of you got to get on board with the rally sure. to to learn everything else about it. Um, but we're going to drive all the way across the country and do some fun exploring. And as you go more and more of these guys, are I'm imagining it's going to be like this. You know, when you have a snow shovel and you just start shoveling and, you and it go, starts rolling up. Yeah, like a little starts building up, starts building up and building up. Pretty soon you're going to have a ton of air cooled cars. So what I did is I uh, um, I kind of talked with Cameron Wayland, who was the guy that helped me with my transmission out in That's California, right. if you remember. And Joshy Robots, who drove with me yep. on part of that drive as well, and uh, kind of gave them some tips on the route, some places that I'd experienced because I've been driving all over the country for a while. And then they came out with the Valkyrie Run, which is supported by Luftkakel. It's an official event. And I wanted to talk to them a little bit about the event so we can get a little bit of a better feel with why they're doing it and why driving is important to them. So here's my call with Joshy and Cameron. Well, I appreciate you guys uh, letting me give you a call to talk about this stuff. It's... I'm excited for it. It's like all I can think about in terms of the goal for getting my car done. Wait, I have a stupid California question before before we get into serious talk. Yeah, what's up? What time is it there? It's really embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. How does international work? No, here's the stupid California boy question. Um, Oh, God, I feel like an idiot asking this. What what kind of clothing do y'all wear like when you're working in your garage in the middle of winter? We have heaters here, man. I know, but I don't know how powerful. I mean, I'm just like, imagine, do you have like crazy ass insulation on your garage door? And then I do have an insulated garage door in your underwear. Uh, I could work. I saw the other day when I went back out, this was actually last night. I was uh, in my underwear, my boxers, and I had shoes with no socks on. So I would, and then I had a sweatshirt on and I, I did a little bit of welding like that. Yeah, underwear. Yeah, in my boxers with just shoes with no socks. Uh, Gotta get it done. Good for you. I just went out there and I just didn't. I was like, oh, I want to try this out. And by the time I was like into it, I had already cut that panel. And after a while, I was like, I better put some pants on. Totally shattered every day at the shop. (laughs) Is that why the doors are shut? I had this impression of just like of like layers upon like five jackets at once. And shivering and still like, you know, fighting your weight, not wearing gloves because you wanted your fingers, but you can't feel it. Sorry. Again, I'm this just, is uh, something fucking... that has happened. I mean, I've I've built a lot of cars over the years. And when I was younger, I had no heat. So you would just go out there. You put um, you'd have a propane heater that would just yeah. one of those butterfly things that would do almost nothing. You would have to stand in front of it every probably few minutes to get your feeling back in your hands. And then you'd have like little hand warmers in your pocket. So then you'd work work, work. And then That's, yeah. one thing that you would always want to do is I used to take my I had a little toolbox and I would go put the toolbox in front of the heater <sighs> to warm up the tools so that oh, when you were touching brilliant. the tools, it wouldn't be like sucking the life out of your hands. Yes, I love that. It's okay. That's, okay, that's, sorry. There's a lot of garage stories like that. Just no insulation. <laughs> just the heat just gets sucked right out of it. But hey, you got to do what but you got to do. That's for a couple of California boys. This is like really, really informative. Yeah, you know, like gives context man. to to y'all struggle. <laughs> Suddenly, my mortgage seems very payable. Yeah, every time you're like, man, your mortgage is how much? I'm like, you know what? It is negative 37 out right now. So, yeah, exactly. Yep, staying here. So, um, Joshy, that's let's let's introduce you, Joshy. You're, you're uh, Joshy Robots. I don't even know what your actual last name is, but I'm going to just assume it's actually Robots. And you and I went on a drive. You went on a drive after Cameron actually made sure I could even go on that drive in the first place. 
That's true. He he kept you alive, and, uh, and then I and then I put, tried to put you back in the ground. Yeah, well, that's uh, okay. It was it was worth the fun. Yeah, no, I mean, um, I'm like Cameron. I'm I, I'm always just looking for both an opportunity to drive, and that usually happens when there's you know a sucker running around <laughs> looking for somebody to drive with. So um, it's funny too because I always I have this uh, strange conversation sort of like are we talking about the same thing when we're talking you know when somebody says they love driving i'm like you love drive but like do you love driving do you love driving and you really do end up finding out if somebody loves driving like you know when we're looking up those roads and you hear from the the crazy old toothless man like you know you're gonna go up 30 miles in a little dead end and we look at each other and it's like oh well yeah but it'll be dope both ways right like that's that's when you you're with somebody who loves driving. Yeah, that was that so, was us, wasn't it? I think it. Yeah, the dude at the cash register at that little place when he was like, "Yep, the road's closed," and we just. Am we, I crazy, or were there like toddlers with guns? I, there I, was a my girl. Not so great. But. Okay, so let me give a little bit of preface to the story. This was Josh and I were driving through the uh, Sequoia National Forest, and we had planned to go over the the pass that was there. I don't remember what the pass is called. But we we stopped at this little place that was this little convenience store, middle of nowhere. And there was a girl running around outside with like a bunch of toy guns. And she just goes, hey, do you want to buy one of my toy guns? And I'm just like, what is going? What are we and training these like, children for? But they were also like hell, like 1980s toy guns. Like oh, yeah. the kids used to get shot by cops toy guns. And yeah, it was absolutely. Sort of like, Damn. <laughs> I think that's so happy. Harsh. City in camp. I said used to. I'm pretty sure that still happens. Yeah, I mean, it's be very like could, bright, well, could be orange these days. Yeah, <laughs> but the the old guy at the place was um, just kind of really matter of fact, and he's like, "Well, it's you know, you can drive up there if you want, but it's a dead end." And we're like, eh, "Sleep is overrated," and we just drove up there anyway. And it was great. We got to go to the. We went to the top of the the pass there. Got as far as we could, and we just sat yeah. there, chilled, and just you know, philosophized. Nice meditative spot. Yeah, it was great. Um, Indeed. And Cameron, so I know Josh, I know why you drive. I think we just explained why you drive. Cameron, <laughs> why do you drive? Oh, man. Because I hate walking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Honestly, I, I will say uh, so I grew up in LA and car was pretty much how you connect with all life in Southern California. And this may be true just of all adolescents in general. But that really becomes uh, your opportunity to create a new life away from whatever you grew up with. Uh, and so I think that that turned into an evolution of I was not a car person, per se, growing up. I didn't grow up as a crazy car kid, which is strange that I find myself as a mechanic in a shop now wrenching on vintage cars. But uh, that part of it didn't come later. But I always have been sort of a, oh, let's hop in the car at 2 a.m. and drive to Las Vegas type of person. All right. So Cameron's down. Yeah. What is what is this Valkyrie run now? Because it's obviously it's a ton of driving. What What is it? What are we trying to accomplish here? Well, it probably makes more sense to explain how it came to be. And that kind of will help you understand then what it is. Sure. Um, Cam and I have another friend. Joe Hagel, who um, has a, a drive down in Southern California called 50 Year Storm. And um, and and it's just a, a bunch of hooligans that are, you know, kind of like bubblegum in their cars together. 
and hitting the roads and harassing Border Patrol. So it's really loose and really fun. And um, let's see, I was going down and pit stopped at Cam's place in Northern California. Um, and, <laughs> and poor Cameron was up to his elbows in engines. And I guess I just sort of like my very presence seduced him into hopping the car and co-driving with me down. Um, and we had a really good time. And then we were talking about Lyft. Am I, am I getting this right, Cam? We were talking about Lyft on the way back. And there was sort of a question of like, what would it take for us to drive out? Um, and basically the answer to that question is, well, we'd have to make the drive real interesting. And then as soon as we were talking about making the drive real interesting, finding good roads, then it's like, well, well, we should probably invite a couple people along. And then I think you also know, to be fair yeah. to the stupid idea that got us started on this whole thing, other than being trapped in a very, very loud and obnoxious <laughs> 9-11 on Interstate 5 for uh, seven hours straight, half of which it was raining and we were wet and there was no heat. <laughs> Uh, that creates its own strange dynamic of conversations. But I think we both got infected by this idea of how many air-cooled 9-11s could we get to drive to Lyft this year, seeing as that it's not in Los Angeles. You know, we always have the one or two friends that we know who make it to Lyft from the East Coast, like Florida or our friend Charles in North Carolina. We're like, these people are super rad, but it's just like a smattering here and there of people. Like, let's see how many people we can really get to commit to this crazy idea. There's one thing well, in, in that vein. You think of uh, I'm being, I'm here in Minnesota, so I, to do anything, I've got to drive there. And when you look at California, everything is kind of there. It's like this mecca. It's like um, kind of spoiled a little bit, where you don't have to drive very far to get on these beautiful, great roads. Um, you think you're going to be able to convince everybody to to get out of there and leave and experience true exploration and seeing things that they haven't seen a million times? Well, well honestly, the crazy like, ones. Yeah, we, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we're we're California kids. I moved up to Washington State last year, um, and I still drive down. Like that last rally, I'm, I'm literally at the top of America, and that last rally was at the bottom of America, right? So, like, even when the roads are right in your backyard, we're still hauling ass to go get the other roads. And I think part of sort of, you know, what a large part of what's motivating us, what's, you know, the, the fire under our asses is the opportunity that, I mean, you know, Cam and I do this all year long. Maybe other folks just haven't had the courage to pull the trigger or to your point, it just seems like it's really far. Like you have to drive far just to get to the start of something. Mm -hmm. And so if we can provide, like we can get some, some, some bones together then we can encourage people to put the meat on, right? Like we have done this all day long. We can put a route together that's dope and then and that people will be stoked about. We basically, you know, we, we, we start chiseling away at people's excuses not to do it. Now the crazy part is like the commitment level on this drive specifically. Like the drives we usually do. One drive. Yeah. Like two and three day events. This is, well, you know, coming from up here, it's going to be a, a week straight. 10 hour days every day hammering on it all day long. Like that's right. some, some serious driving. It's but intimidating, again, it's but I think the, the biggest thing that intimidates people is adversity 
they're scared yes. of adversity. They're scared of the it, – it is a risk, especially with, a, with an old car. Things can go wrong. Things can break. They do break, Certainly. as Cameron is very well aware. But <laughs> I, I break stuff on my own car all the time. It happens all Stop the time. It. But I think I'm broken one, right now. <laughs> I think one cool aspect of this is you, you have a you have kind of like this support thing kind of built in too. Yes, correct. Well, and it's a support in a literal sense, right? Like Cameron will be along to help you put your shit back together if it's possible. But it's also or support hold hand if we can't. Yes, and hand you a hanky. <laughs> but it's also support in like a emotional spiritual sense, which is like you know just don't think too hard. We're all we're all doing this really stupid thing let's all just you know we're i mean it's no accident that we call it the valkyrie run right but do you know the myth behind the valkyries tell me they're a group of of um women who rain down from the sky after a battle and decide which of the fallen warriors gets to go up to valhalla to basically uh hang out with odin drink beer and fight for eternity so it's like the, the Valkyrie come down and decide who's worthy, right? So that's basically what our drive is, right? Like it's, the promise is not that you make it, although we all, you know, most likely we're all going to make it, but that's not it. The point is the risk, right? Which is also it's the why, ultimate proving grounds. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. if there was no risk, if there was no, oh my God, am I going to make it? Like, what's the point, right? You're, otherwise, you're just kind of going for a nice cruise. It's sort of, you know, like a, you know, we're, we're capping it at air cooled, which is actually, on our end, a difficult decision, mostly because we wanted to be as inclusive as possible. But the truth of the matter is, like, even folks rolling out in 993s, like, you know, they're basically just connecting the dots between here and there. Right. Whereas us folks in the early cars, like, you know, we might blow up. And if we do, well, that's just part of the story. You know, it is. And I think that's one thing that the part of the story thing is what's really, really important. It's mm. okay to have something bad happen. It's okay. Oh, yeah. You can accept it. It's just part of it. And, you know, you will get through it. You know, this isn't uh, Siberia, right, where you break down and you're going to die. Right? I mean, there's... Oh, no, there's... and the, the real stories begin when that happens because yeah. it becomes completely unplanned at that point. And that's when you meet weird people in the middle of nowhere who have a six volt battery for your 356 and you think that you might die by picking up that battery but <laughs> you don't they actually have a 356 in their barn in the middle of nowhere right and that's where the capillaries True. of the story start to spread out and all these unforeseen things and people you can meet and things you do can all change into these completely unexpected storylines and i think that's the best part about doing any of the driving that i've done is the people that i've met whole... you know whether it's you or joshy or the lady that like I thought she might be the prom queen 50 years ago when I, when I met her, just any of the people that you meet, that's what it's yeah. really all about. Well, yeah, what's the interesting too. Is to get people to, to get out of their shell enough to allow themselves to have those experiences. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that these cars are way more durable than people are willing yeah. to give them credit for. Oh, yeah. Because Josh, as you know, we <laughs> hammer the shit out of our cars. And even when things go wrong, like your tire You're still good. disconnects. You can put it back together and keep going. It's right. amazing. Yeah, you you really can. I've I've definitely, uh, as you'd say, bubblegum some things together on my car through you know, sixty thousand miles in the last six or seven years, and it's you know things happen. You just kind of muddle through it, and here I am going to drive out for the Valkyrie run and meet you guys. Can I say where we're meeting? Can I can I mention it? Just just the meeting sure. point. For sure. Okay, so it's Escalante, which is this really 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 important place to me there's there's a certain road there that i've been there three times and every single time i go i cry 
and it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but I really do feel this overwhelming sense of emotion in this place, and the fact that the the drive is starting there is so serendipitous that it that I'm That's I have cool. to drive all the way out there to to start with you guys, and I'm and I'm really excited about that. Um, Get that car done, Chris. I know. <laughs> I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Um, so, what other kind of panels. roads are on this on this route? What what else do we have to look forward to? Uh, let's sort of broad stroke it yeah. if we can. Uh, so there's, for us, there's a lot of great stuff to get to Escalante. Then, uh, you know, we'll be near Pikes Peak. There's some stuff planned around that, which I don't want to give too much information away, but, uh, we have a few people on this drive who told me that if we don't make Pikes Peak happen, that I may or may not survive the trip. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, Looks we'll, like have we're that, doing we'll have that figured out um i'll see if i actually, can get anybody to come on the uh the burr trail and the Moki dugway with me see if i can have anybody else sucker themselves into that i feel like there will be many opportunities for all of us to sucker one another into like turning a 10-hour drive into a 14-hour drive <laughs> that's usually how it works out and the best part i mean it's it's may so it's not going to be that hot because that's really the only real issue with i mean i drove through the mojave desert it was 105 and it was some of the most miserable times i've spent in my car i mean i look finally back at it now because i'm like ah, it was so hot but you know i mean now it's crazy stories yeah it'll be nice that i think everybody should be should be fairly comfortable um so what else do you guys want to talk about do you is there any other uh details that you can reveal to us at all so we have some fun and exciting roads that I personally have done many, many years ago. But then someone reached out to us and said, hey, you're passing right by this place. Why don't you drop down a little bit into Arkansas? So uh, there will be some amazing roads happening in northern Arkansas as we head east. And then, uh, Chris, I think you were, are you able to release any information about a special burger joint oh yeah there's uh my family has a has a burger joint in one of the towns um i haven't checked with her yet i was just confirming everything thanks for the reminder i will call Uh her tomorrow and and figure that out it should be should be fine though because let her know there's 120 of us coming so far (laughs) and uh registration's only been open a week so uh stock up on on the buns yeah we'll do that we'll do that I, I'll definitely get a hold of her. It's it's she's awesome. It's a great place. Plenty of plenty of parking and everything. It's in it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, so it'll work out great. I will say two things. Um, one is if if folks are out there, they're thinking about coming, but they're on the fence. Um, give us a ring. Hit us up. We'll either uh, convince you to do it or we'll shame you for it. The <laughs> other is if you don't have an air cooled car, also hit us up. Because we have a good a good amount of lone wolves who we're going to reach out to see if they'd be down to have a co-pilot. Because, again, you know, this is a week straight, long days. Um, if you can shout over somebody's engine, it might be nice to have a companion. So, uh, you know, if, just because you, you drive something other than air-cooled 911, if this seems like something you'd be stoked on, Hit us up. We'll see if we can make it happen. And if you're if you're a lone wolf, you can definitely hop around between cars too. You know, you can meet some new people that way. Have done that before as well. Totally. We've got a couple photographers actually coming along. We've got a a list of of cars they can hop in and out of. So uh, I'm trying to put together. I'm trying to get Alex to come with me so we can do a do a film. Oh, has he has he not committed yet? He's he's back and forth a little bit. He's it's right after uh, he in school. So we're trying to get the timing down. 
for oh, for is this where the shaming on. starts? Yes, if you could. Yeah, you can reach out to him. It's at Gallivantry. If anybody wants to uh, give, send him a message and make sure that he comes along for the ride. Mm. <laughs> You'd be missing out. All right, guys. I I'm really looking forward to this. It like I said, this is the anchor for me getting my car done. Um, for me, this drive is going to be uh, 90 hours round trip from my house to that start to DC to back again. It's 90 hours or so, yeah, buddy. which is, I, I'm guessing, fairly similar to what you guys have driving coast to the coast and then back again. It's probably yeah, somewhere it's supposed there. to be a, a seven-day trip from the longest, but us, we got a little pack coming from Seattle. We're going to add an extra, so we're, we're actually a secret eight-day. Right. Uh, but... I mean, that's what we're doing this for. So. All right. So where can people so, find out more? Where are they finding information? ValkyrieRun.com, spelled V-A-L-K-Y-R-I-E, run.com. Um, we do have an Instagram account, but it's uh, reserved for folks who are actually on the drive. It'll be our secret comms channel. Okay. Um, and then you can communicate with us through email on the site. So basically when you sign up for the rally, that's when you're going to get all the details. You get the map, get the route. Um, is there anything else that you get when you sign up? You do. Most importantly, you get a list of all the spots we're stopping each night so that you can reserve a, uh, a dirt bag motel for yourself. Um, yeah. And, and then more and, and more connections to everybody else who's in your little neck of the woods. Ah, yes. So everybody, like the large number of people we have out of Florida or Illinois, we'll put all those people in touch with each other so that they can cannonball to meet us. Well, this sounds awesome, guys. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, honestly, thanks for putting it together. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think there's going to be some some epic friendships and epic experiences for everybody. Dude, I'm stoked you're coming. It'll be great. I'm looking forward to it. All right, guys, take care. Thanks for calling in. Indeed. Later, man. Yep. Bye-bye. Adios. All right. So I'm going out to, I'm leaving for Minnesota. I'm going to go all the way out there and then drive across the country. So if anybody wants to come with me, you've got an air-cooled 911, I'll hook up with you anywhere from here to there and anywhere in between. Are you coming? I think so. Assume so, yes. Okay. It's 90 hours, just so you know. Yeah, I don't want to do all that. Okay. So I'm driving all the way out there, all the way across, and then all the way home. I'm going to be one of the snowflakes you pick up on the snowball. Right. I think <laughs> I, I, I've got. <laughs> I just called myself a snowflake. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So before we get into the news, what have you got for us? Yeah. Be sure to head over to patreon.com slash overcrest. Have a chance to support the show for as little as five bucks a month that's the cost of basically one red bull at the gas station we can give you exclusive content you can support the creators that you like and also get some bonus swag at different levels of subscription head over there do that please and thank you (laughs) all right don't forget to subscribe to the podcast too hit that subscribe button we really really appreciate that all right so what have we this is sad news this is sad so R.I.P. Holden. Yep, rest in peace. So that's right. GM has officially killed off the Holden brand, which was their you know what else they've killed Australia. off? Everybody converting their American GM cars to Holden with the badges. They've yeah. also ended, yeah. Maybe that's... that'll become even more cool because it's like now it's not even a thing anymore. Yeah, like the Pontiacs that were always converted over, like the uh, what are the they? The G8. 
VEGP. And the GTO. Guys yep. would do it with the GTO, too, yeah. and put the Holden badges on it, which was sweet because everybody would rather have a Holden than a Pontiac. Exactly. I'm guessing. Yeah, so GM says it simply can't justify the Australian brand's costs, which is a huge shame. And I dug into the history of Holden a bit. Do they to- make? Do they make them at... In Australia, is yes, that where they they're do. assembled? Yep. So let's start at the beginning, though. The Holden name actually dates back to 1856, Chris, when James Alexander Holden established a saddlery business. In a what ad- business? A saddlery. Oh, saddlery. Okay, got it. Yeah, he makes saddles. That's basically a car company in 1856. <laughs> no, that would be the horse giving birth. <laughs> it's true. So he was in Adelaide, South Australia. Then in 1924, once cars became more ubiquitous the world over, the company became the exclusive supplier of General Motors cars in Australia. So they soon developed their own manufacturing plants right there in the country and just like countless other manufacturing operations, Holden's production was diverted during the Second World War, and they started making weapons, aircraft, engines, and that instead of cars. Now, after the war, Holden returned back to producing vehicle bodies for several car brands, including Buick, Chevrolet, Vauxhall, and of course, their own Holden brand. So were they making, casting the engines, casting the parts? Were they doing everything in Australia? Because Getting no. it, getting anything to Australia is really expensive. I don't know the specifics of it, okay. but I know they are GM products. Right. You know what I mean? So it's going to be an LS. Uh, during the 50s, Holden dominated the Australian car market with steady production of utility and sedan models. Models like the FB, the Commodore, the Falcon. Those are the cars that made the brand infamous. However, things weren't always rosy for Holden. In 1991, Toyota bested Holden's sales numbers in their home country for the first time. And in 2003, General Motors gave the company a massive cash injection to the tune of $400 million, developing a new V6 engine plant in Melbourne. However, it didn't seem to do the trick. Fast forward to 2006, and the company's market share fell to only 15% in their own country. In 2016, GM ceased local manufacturing in Australia, and then two months ago, after dismal sales of 2019, GM announced it would kill the Opal-based Holden Commodore and Astra to focus on Holden badge trucks and SUVs. And now, Australians are forced to confirm GM's complete termination of the Holden brand. Nearly 3,000 Holden workers are set to lose their jobs over the next four years as the iconic car maker winds down its operations and looking back Chris what really made Holden so special well Australian car culture really is unique picture roadways dominated by powerful cars that combine uniquely Australian styling European proportions and American V8 power just unhampered mind you by the overly zealous EPA we get here yeah it's it's I always think of them of Mad Max, of course, and, right. the, and the Interceptor V8, and right. uh, just with the huge blower on it, and just yeah. So it's interesting. Most of these cars flew under the radar to the rest of the world until 1979, when, of course, Mel Gibson starred alongside these brutally powerful and cool cars in Mad Max. And probably the most notorious and unique style of vehicle to come out of Australia is the Ute. Chris, the Ute. Yeah, man. An abbreviation of those utility are great people, vehicle. People import those. And they're yeah. rad. They combine a passenger car front end and pick up cargo area in the rear. However, unlike the short-lived El Camino and Ford Ranchero we saw over here, Australian Utes stayed around until just very recently. 
The trend reached its height in the 1970s when Holden offered a Sandman package for its <laughs> utes and panel vans. It was the epitome of 70s styling with factory decal packages and became popular with American or I'm sorry, Australian youth culture at the time. In the 80s, that fell out of favor, but the ute stayed around until 2017 when its base model, the rear-wheel drive Commodore, was finally killed off. And if the modern-day El Camino seems silly, just remember that the HSV, or Holden Special Vehicles team, also made these things ridiculously fast and powerful. Think of a modern Corvette LS whatever with a pickup bed, and you basically get the idea. But alas, some things are just too good for this world, and Holden seems to be no longer. So my favorite um, Australian car brand is the Geo Catalogue. I don't know how to say this. Okay. I've never heard anybody say it before, but it's the uh, Geo Catalogue Judge. Now, you should just look at the picture. I don't of that even thing know up. how to spell that based uh, on your pronunciation. They came with Geo- a... C-A-T-T-O-L-O. G-O-C-A-T-T-O-L-O. C-O-T-T. Catalo. I'm sure it's... Catalo. Hello. So these hang- things were built on an Alfa Romeo chassis, and you could get a Holden V8 in them or an Alfa Romeo V6. They kind of look like a cross between um, like a uh, like a Pantera and a Lancia 037. It looks, yeah, very Lancia Integrale to me. It's very cool. I really like the way they look. They, and some of them have like a big wing on the back. And, Never and seen the taillights are kind of inset into the car. Yeah. They're, they're super cool with, with their mid-engine. And obviously, they didn't. that's about the only one of those that were ever made. So they're, they never were very popular. But uh, rest in peace, Holden. We'll miss seeing everybody rebadge your vehicles <laughs> over, over here, here in, in America. <laughs> so you know Gimbala, right? I do. We did a whole history episode we on did. Gimbala. So uh, they're back, sort of. Uh, Mark, oh. Mark Philip Gambala, who is Uwe's son, I believe. That's right. Has dropped a PR bomb. <laughs> okay. So he says, after almost two years of flying under the radar, I'm happy to drop this bomb today. I'm going to. I'm pleased to announce that I'm launching my very first supercar with my new company, Mark Philip Gambala, next week during the Geneva Motor Show 2020 to an exclusive audience, continuing the legacy of my father, Uwe Gambala. The market has changed. Horsepower game is over. Tuning is done by the car makers themselves, and there's a glut of new upcoming supercars with hyped-up horsepower figures that are being thrown into the market. Mark Philip Gambala is taking the extreme from on-road to off-road, building his very first supercar combined with off-road capabilities in a limited small series runs. So as far as I know, there's no affiliation with his father's company other than name. Right, it's just he's the son. So it's, it's Gimbala GmbH still exists, as far as I know. So this is a different company. So oh, interesting. what is this thing going to be? They have a picture. If you click mm-hmm. on the link there, you'll be able to see it. the picture. It is obviously a 959. It's like a modernized portion of right. 959. He said that they're reinventing a legend. So it's kind of, if you look at the picture, they're reinventing a legend. You kind so of get that vibe So he's basically going to take a new 911 and lift it, put some off-road PFGs on it. I and don't just, know if it's... It's, oh, no, he says they have a partner or manufacturer with BF He says, Goodrich. my very first supercar with my new company. So this might be an actual one-off car that they are building. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to be something that Porsche took. Oh, no, no, no. That I'm they saying, took from Porsche. Yeah, no, he's going to take a 911. You think so? Yes. It's not going to be his own chassis or anything like that. No, that's never what Gambala did anyways. This is not Gimbala. I know, but that, no, no. Why, the, why is he talking about the horsepower game being over and the tuning is he's done by car makers? He's basically saying, I'm not going to do any tuning to these cars. He's saying there's no power to be made whatever beyond what the factory makes. It so says, instead, quote, Mark Philip Gambale is taking, two, taking the extreme from on-road to off-road, building his very first yeah, supercar. Well, 
I'm thinking it's a- builds are also builds, Chris. <laughs> so this, uh, he also cited off-road tire manufacturer BF Goodrich yep. as a supplier. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see. I'm previous- he's just, he's taking a new 911 off the showroom floor, putting a lift kit on it, putting some beanie tires and a big wing on the back that looks like a 959. I guarantee you. I don't know. The picture does not look anything like a 911 in the rear. It looks a lot different. It's a 911. Well, well you know. We'll see, I guess. I feel like it's going to be more than just... If he was just going to do another Gimbala rebody, he, why wouldn't he just do it through the company originally? Because feel they like probably this is, aren't letting him. Oh, well, that might be true. <laughs> uh, previous Gimbala history doesn't bode well for the design. Right, I have very exactly. rarely seen anything come out of Gimbala that I thought looked any good. So we'll I think we see. just need to do more cocaine and it would look good to us. Because that, <laughs> that basically was the target market at the time. I was thinking more Quaaludes. There you <laughs> go. That'll work <laughs> Everything probably looks good. Yeah. Um, so Porsche personalization, as you know, has always been something that uh, that you've been able to do. Whether it's special any wishes, paint to paint sample. To sample um, and uh, things have gotten a little bit out of control. As a general yeah. rule, owners of nice cars want to keep fingerprints off of paintwork uh-huh. Uh-huh. unless you have a 911 that is and you, and you will like the look of this latest customization service from porsche exclusive manufacturer stuttgart's personalization specialists are now offering to use new technology to print a gigantic version of your own fingerprint onto the bonnet of a 911 with other customer specific designs becoming available at this a later date so dumb so uh, it's it's literally your fingerprint that they blow up and print on your hood if I ever saw this in public, I would lose it. I would it's think so I would dumb. think so poorly of the owners that do yeah. this. And um, they show their like their big new technology thing. It's basically like a paint gun that they think is more like a 3D printer. Yeah, it's like an inkjet printer. It has a print head. It can print on 3D surfaces. So right. basically it follows the surface. The contour of the yeah. hood and everything else. Uh, the finished Porsche says it's clearly superior to film applications. So it's way better than having it. Well, uh, it is, but it's also permanent as opposed to a decal, which yeah. why would you want this? I don't know. If you ever sell the car, you're going to have to find a new hood <laughs> for it or repaint it. Yeah, this is my new 911. Oh, yeah, the fingerprint. That's, that's the other that's guy. That's not my fingerprint. Actually. There's no security risk as Porsche makes sure biometric data is processed so as to make sure it cannot be used for any unauthorized purposes. Purpose. It's not like someone who's going to drive the car up to your your computer or your laptop. No, and, like, but you could probably take a picture of this and like somehow scan it in so you have that guy's fingerprint then. I, it is an interesting t- like thing. Like, okay, well, if it is actually your fingerprint, how are they making sure that there's no security risk? The cost? 7,500 euros. C- cool. <laughs> That's so dumb. All right. The Geneva Auto Show, which we talked about, poor Gimbala, didn't get to reveal their car at the Geneva Auto Show because it was canceled. Right. Due to the coronavirus. Right. The Swiss government has banned gatherings of more than 1,000 people until at least... March 15th, which means the auto show, which was set to begin press days on Tuesday, is not happening at all. So this made me think, Chris, because we we should announce anyways, we're going to be doing a live podcast at the Minneapolis auto show. Yes, we are. If it's still going on. Well, things are a little bit different. Well, I guess there's no cases in Switzerland. I guess they're just being careful. You know, that's more of a the thing is with the Geneva Auto Show, you have the whole world. It, it is true. The you whole world comes there. and congregates. The whole world is not coming to the Minneapolis Auto Show. <laughs> well, now that they know we're doing a live podcast, they might. That's true. Definitely come see us there. I don't remember. March the- 15th is the Sunday from 3 to 5 p.m. Yeah, we'll talk about that Auto more as, as we get a little bit closer. So they say, quote, we regret to announce the 2020 Geneva Motor Show will be canceled. This is a force majeure. A spokesman, spokesman from the Polexpo show venue said on Friday, organizers said the show will not be held at a later date. The show cannot be postponed. It's not possible. It's too big. It's not feasible. 
So they're just canceling it. Just canceling it. Imagine the millions of dollars that's lost with this. I mean, that's just the, it's just, the displays that they have and the right. designing of cars and the preparing for this and all the but media. But at the same time, like, does anyone care anymore? Here's the cars we're going to miss. The Gambala thing. We're going to miss well, that. We'll see it online. The new VW GTI. Was We've already be- seen it online. The 911 Turbo. Okay. Already been leaked. The Cayman and the Boxster. Mercedes E-Class. A bunch of other crap we don't care about. And what we're actually going to miss is nothing. Because <laughs> nobody cares. Yeah, my point. The only people that care about this are people that watch Motor Week, Motor Week on PBS. Well, and the journalists who are paid to be there and write about it. Yeah, the journalists <laughs> that are paid to go to Switzerland for a week. Ooh, oh, no, it sounds rough. awful. I know. Um, yeah, it just doesn't seem interesting to me anymore. Uh, I talked to Joel Fetter. He's like, well, I, I wonder if the, you know, the New York City Auto Show will be canceled too. Right. Depending on what this virus does. It's just... What what is the point of these shows other than it's basically the the car show equivalent of whipping it out and being like here's our new thing and you just put it on the table and then everybody gets to see it. It just that has, is not the equivalent. Yeah, it is. That's no, what this they is do. A they, product they, release that's just yeah. That, just think about it. they take the little that's silk something thing. you can get arrested for <laughs> <laughs> public indecency. They take the little silk thing, they rip it off the car, and they go, "Hey, here's what we've been working on for the last two years." And everybody goes, "Oh, that's really cool. It'll never look like that when it actually comes out." And then the Which actual car comes out. And then, <laughs> and then when the car actually comes out, everybody's like, "Oh, wow, that looks nothing like the concept. How disappointing!" And then they just repeat the cycle. Over and over uh-huh. and over again. It's uh-huh. just stupid. I don't know. Whatever. But don't worry. What's that? If you have a Tesla, you're fine with their, this is real. Okay. okay. I want you to laugh at me. This is real. The Their quote, bioweapon defense mode. So you're you're saying if you're in a Tesla, you don't have to be worried about coronavirus. Is what they're touting. Is what they're saying. It's got bioweapon defense mode. Which, of course, it does because it's Everything is named dumb and kitschy. Yeah. It's, so the air conditioning system in the new Tesla Model X has three modes. Circular air from outside, the car recirculating air that's already inside, and a, quote, bioweapon defense mode triggered <laughs> by a button on the dashboard, which creates positive pressure inside the cabin to keep outside particles at bay. So it's basically a, a HEPA filter, HEPA filter. Right. Uh, different than a HEPA filter. This is a, I forget the term, but anything where it's basically positive pressure inside. It's so like if you have a bio suit, they're all positive pressure. Right. Because if you get a pinhole leak or something, it pushes air out. Yeah, but the air still has to come from getting. somewhere. Exactly. So there needs to be a filter in the car because the air can't just, you can't be pressuring air out of the car. Pretty soon you're going to be in a vacuum going. <laughs> well, unless they had like onboard air tanks, like scuba tanks. That'd be cool. Yeah, right next yeah. to the batteries. Just yeah. just tanks of oxygen right yeah, next to the Good. Right next that'd to the, really the very flammable lithium system. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's amazing. Let's do that. So to be considered a real HEPA filter, HEPA filter, an air filter has to remove 99.7% of 0.3 micrometer particles from the air. A 0.3 micrometer HEPA filter is fine enough to catch bacteria like anthrax, which ranges from 1.2 micrometers across. It will also stop the plague in most other bacteria, as well as most pollen, dust, and fungal spores. Well, that's good. They also come in 0.2 micrometer size, but I guess those don't work very well it's really hard to get air through them oh just because sure. they're so they're such, so a, tight. such sure. a tight filter okay um quote this is from tesla the bio defense button 
is it actually a button? No, it's a digital yeah, button. It's like there are no buttons. It's got like on the, the, the new little nuclear button on yeah. it. It's like the biohazard yeah. button on on the dash. Did you see that when you were driving yours? I did not see that one on on this one. The bio defense button is. We should go over there and be like, "Hey, I'm really really concerned about this virus." Well, it's only Dude. in the new Model X. It sounds like. Oh, that's true. The bio defense button is designed to allow clean medical grade air into the cabin and keep contaminated air out. When deployed, it pushes the system into full fresh mode, pulling all HVAC through the HEPA filter. The okay. fan goes to max speed, 11. Of course, of course it goes to 11 <laughs> instead goes to of 11. 10. Obviously. The next one will be 12. Pretty soon we'll be have fan speed of 73. Pulling in enough air to slightly pressurize the cabin, keeping other air from entering the Model X. So I looked at the size of the flu virus. Sure. Okay, so just common flu ranges from 80 to 120 nanometers, which is, uh, I believe, much point, smaller much than smaller than the, than the micrometer so that's 0.3 micrometers is 300 nanometers so uh no it's not going to save you from the coronavirus which would Oops. i guess you'd have to be driving through a crowd of people going, <laughs> just like breathing all over your car as you're like you're trying to like get away from new york city or something i don't yeah i don't, I don't really know understand. It's, it's actually transmitted by uh by particulates it's water droplets right. basically yeah, so yeah. yeah they'd have to be breathing very heavily and there'd have to be your... hundreds of them crawling all over the car <laughs> it's it's zombie should, mode quick hit the bio defense <laughs> button hurry and then the batteries die and you're screwed <laughs> Yeah. All right. So my old S class had something kind of like this. It had a charcoal charcoal filter button. Okay. And I always wonder what it did because every time I would push it, the HVAC system would work less good. And you know, I was like, <laughs> "What is going on?" Said, but what it is is it's for uh, people that don't want to smell bad things when you're driving around. Essentially, it, it will okay. filter out. There's so it's a separate filter. It's a charcoal filter. Just the so HEPA filters are capable of removing dust, allergens disease, you know, some diseases, anthrax, whatever. Okay. Well, carbon filters filter out smoke, fumes, smells. Like if you're driving through ne uh, Nebraska, you definitely want to have that on because you don't smell, <laughs> you know, the cows, manure. The manure, yep. Um, the, my, uh, I had a uh, S-Class that had this, but the new S-Class, the W, well, not new, it's old, but newer than the one I had. The yeah. W220 had smog sensors, which continually monitored the outside oh, air quality. Right. And if levels of contamination uh, with NOx or CO are detected, it automatically operates the activated charcoal filter and puts it in research mode for you. You don't even have to do anything. Wow. So, I mean, that would be a great thing to have in China. Oh, speaking of China, you showed me a map yeah. that pollution in China is way down. Because they shut down all the factories because of coronavirus. No one's going to work. And there's not a... a and there's also probably not a bunch of ships running bunker fuel driving the United States yeah, full of stuff. Not. You know, on e if you look on eBay and uh, Amazon stuff like that, the delays are long. Oh, Even really? if you go on eBay and you want to buy something from China, it says will not ship till like March 18th. Oh, I haven't noticed that. Yeah, there's a lot of the eBay stores are closed. A lot of the Amazon wow. stuff is delayed, which is great because fuck China. <laughs> Seriously, all they do is pollute and lie and kill people and interrogate people. There's, uh, I won't even get in. I was going to tell a story, but it's probably not politically correct, so I'll avoid it. But anyway. China sucks, so I'm not. Okay, not. I don't even care. It's great. So there was also a new GTI revealed, which we kind of mentioned earlier, and it's ugly. It it is, and as we know, there's no longer a golf, right? We know that there's. Well, we're not getting the golf right, in the, the states. I don't. Are the? I'm don't, pretty sure there's a European golf still. I'm not sure on that. We someone's gonna have to verify it, but we're we're for sure only getting the GTI and the Golf R. I think here. it's because we don't like cars in the U.S., so other manufacturers aren't making cars. They're just not importing cars other than the GTI and Golf R. Well, Europe's kind of digging the crossovers too, so I All mean right. it's kind of a worldwide phenomenon. So this is, you know, it's still got a manual transmission, it's yep. a six speed, 245 horsepower, which is up from the previous, um, and of course it's probably still. 
fantastic to drive. One of yeah. only 30 car models you can still get new with a manual trans, I believe. Yeah, there's lots of touchscreens on this one. A lot, yeah. lots, like yeah. a lot yeah. of touchscreens. I don't which, like that. Not in Minnesota. It's probably like, can you imagine being in your gloves and trying to like, <laughs> t- like if you look at the little <laughs> cluster over by the, um, by where the headlights normally turn on, your defrost is there, your fog lights are there, your front and rear defrost are both there, and they're like touch buttons. Why? I don't know. That but doesn't make any sense. They moved all that stuff over there. The shifter is straight out of the 992, you know, that little the, toggle the thing. Razor. The little razor, <laughs> the little brown shifter, except now it looks like a, a windshield or window roll-down toggle oh, switch. Oh, sure, yeah. That's what it looks like. It's It doesn't look good it's it's still unequivocally a gti right it's got the plaid seats sure it it's got all like the red trim which you said is an led light now instead of just being red yeah it's it's got the honeycomb grill at the bottom which now lights up okay the the fog the fog lights are in the honeycomb grill and it's super dumb it's really dumb looking I do not like this. It's very, very GTI. It's, it's, so it's, they have all the, G, the ingredients, right? But it's almost like someone took all the ingredients that were on sale and about to expire. <laughs> so the, what you were thinking was going to taste like your favorite food actually tastes like dog balls. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> not dog it, food, dog balls. Exactly. It's, okay. it's, it's disappointing. The wheels it, are ugly, too. Have you ever seen Twins? The movie Twins? Oh, no, da- I haven't. So it's basically what it is. is I'm uh, like, I've seen like actual twins in real life. So Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger are twins in this movie. <laughs> and one of them looks really great. And he's a model human being, which is what the previous uh, golf reminds me of. Okay. And even though it's related, it doesn't look anything like yeah. it. Just like Danny DeVito doesn't look like anything like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> um, I feel like the Mark, when the Mark four came out, I feel like even the Mark three, I don't, I wasn't when it came out in like 93 or whatever, I was never old enough to really know what the press thought of the car whatever sure. was well accepted but i feel that the the i like the mark one best i like mark two is best more for more reasons than looks but i feel like the evolution of the looks of the gti mm-hmm. has been this continual process that everything seemed to look a little bit better the mark five not not the greatest i didn't look, love the mark five but the mark six the mark seven i honestly those all blend together for me after mark four it's like how many marks are there there's so many you know there's there's more of them that came out and then they started alternating the jetta and would come out and then the golf would come out later they started going back and forth so they weren't coming out at the same time Mm. like they were for a while and i feel like this is the first time that things have gone back it looks like it was designed by the b team like everybody's off working (laughs) on 60 billion dollar ev yeah and there's like well yeah they show it a photo of the engine compartment it's like they it's a trash can lid they gave up or a Tupperware bin. You have like There's a Tupperware bin. There's not even any emblems. Usually, at least when they put the big plastic cover over the engine, they at least put the emblem there. Yeah, There's it doesn't look good. Nothing. It's very uninspiring. You know, it's you know that it's going to drive like a GTI. Sure. I'm because they didn't change the suspension very much. You know, it's got the same engine with more power. It's probably got the same gearbox. Yeah. And the newer GTIs I've driven them, they're great. Okay. They're so fun to drive, but this one just. Um, it looks upset at its own existence. Like, ah, <laughs> you made me. No, uh, it just doesn't really work. Um, but in the end, I have to rejoice. It's a six-speed manual GTI. Yeah, I suppose. And in today's world, you can't be mad. Yeah. All right. Um, Chris, did you know that rich people don't yield in their car? Okay. <laughs> An experiment <laughs> shows that for every $1,000 increase in a car's price, the odds of that driver yielding to a pedestrian at a crosswalk decrease by 3%. 
<laughs> so now, so, that, so now that you own a Macan, I gonna, know. I was like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, I'm gonna stop yielding for pedestrians all of a sudden. Oh I guess. no. The study's entitled "Estimated Car Cost as a Predictor of Driver Yielding Behavior for Pedestrians," which is a very catchy title. Uh, but you can think of this as, as Chris wrote, are BMW drivers really jerks or what? So in a series of four studies, it was also confirmed. I went and read a bunch of this stuff. Okay. Um, the quote, higher social class standing was positively associated with increased feelings of entitlement and narcissism <laughs> and lack of empathy. Well, Chris, a- I'm better than you since I have that Macan now and I don't care what you feel like. I have a thought on this, though, What's is that? when I drive around the wagon, generally people let me in. Yeah. They don't care. You can just they're they're polite. I don't get flipped off very much. But right. When I'm driving my 911 around, they don't let me in. Mm. They bully me around. They give me dirty looks, and it could be because it's loud. It could I be think whatever. it's because it's loud. and It's not that loud when you're just cruising around on the freeway. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is loud, but there's other things that are louder when they're cruising around the freeway. And I think that it might almost be this thing where um, I don't think people are nice to people that are in just other classes in general. I think that you know maybe there's a little narcissism with the elites, and I think maybe there's you know more middle class and lower class people kind of think of the other people as snobs and aren't very nice sure. to them either. Yeah. And I think just generally people aren't very nice to each other, which is in this context. I think generally human beings are really nice to each other in general. I think people are generally good people. But if the people aren't yielding to each other, eh, I don't know. I think it's probably just class, classist. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So we're running a little long. Should we go into some listener input here? This is from Ian, uh, who sent a nice long email. It's a really long email. I really appreciated reading it. Uh, but to sum it up, I'm going to go just pull a this little bit out of This is the one, by the way, where at the end of it, he goes, oh, and P.S. I like Jake, too. I haven't forgot about him. Yes, that's the <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so listening to your podcast, watching Dust Zeal, hearing about the explorations you have gone in your portion have, have truly, truly inspired me. That is why I've made a plan to leave my sales position in May of this year at my one-year mark and drive my E30 across the country. The E30 picnic in Tacoma, Washington is my goal, and then also go down into California and explore a bit more of the country. Minimal highways, back roads, and a 31-year-old car that makes me happier than any amount of money at a job could ever. And I just got goosebumps. This is like, this is... You and this guy. You, me, and this guy. (laughs) I think about it all the time. I could easily be doing something where I could be making more money than doing what I do. Yep. Easily. I could go I could go into sales for sure. I'm personable. I could well You're a somewhat, little opinionated. I'm a little too, opinionated. Though. Yeah, you yeah. should buy this. Well tell me a bit about more about it. No, just buy it. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you need. So he says, I need help with planning. Here are a few questions. How do you plan your route? Okay. So I plan Let's take my, these one by one. Yeah, one by one. So I plan my route first on, uh, I use a couple things. I use uh, Google Maps and I use something called Road Trippers. Yep. Uh, Road Trippers is great because you have- unlimited. So that's an app or that's, a website? Uh, it's a website and it, it's subscription based. So okay. you got to pay for it, but it has unlimited waypoints, which is really, really okay. nice. Okay, so with Google, Google Maps where you try to plan a route- It has limited waypoints. It will run out of waypoints, which most people don't run into a problem with, but <laughs> I often run out of, run into a problem where I run out of way, waypoints for you know, 80, 90 hour drive. If you want to- Sure. If you to customize where you want to go if you just say hey i'm going to tacoma washington from wherever you are it'll do it in one waypoint but if you want to go around visit some places go to some cool roads by the time you drag that route around it'll eventually run out and then you have to go into um you can go into another google earth and you okay. can start redoing things there but then you have to then every time you want to look at it you got to go oh i'm going to go into google maps and then i'm going to go into google drive and then i got to go find that map and then i got to go here and do this and do that so i just use road trippers road it's trippers. like 20 30 bucks a month or something or a year cool. a year sorry and then you get unlimited so yeah. not a sponsor of the show i just it's it's this is what i do yeah and it's great 
But I do think another point to his question is you, I have seen you, you drag the little street view guy around. Yeah, my like, little yellow man. Like mile by mile for thousands of miles. You're like looking at these roads and go, oh, that's a cool looking road. Yep. And so I think that is part of your planning yeah, process. Yeah, that's part of the planning sure. process. Plus, I will ask people that I know. I'll throw it up on Instagram. Hey, is anybody from wherever? Is What's your favorite road here? Or sure. what do you do? Where do you go? Um, is there anything that you like to see? And um, that's probably the best thing is your little little yellow man and local <laughs> help. So how many hours do you find yourself driving a day to keep moving forward, but also make it enjoyable? So here's the thing. The only time driving for me is not enjoyable is when I'm on the freeway or commuting. Okay. So if you're mm -hmm. driving across Nebraska on the freeway, it's not interesting. I can take maybe, I mean, I've done 13, 14, 15 hours of that, Oof. but I'm exhausted of it after about eight or nine hours. So I'm just like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. This sucks. However, I've done 14, 15, 16 hours in a day where I'm on back roads, where I'm, it's, it's interesting. There's things to see. You can stop. You can look at things. The road is constantly changing and that makes it go a lot faster and it doesn't feel like 12, 14, 16 hours. It you, I will say you are an absolute road warrior though, because <laughs> I can do four and I'm like, let me out of here. You did okay when we were I driving. I did okay with you. Yeah, because I was able to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> but we're also going places and seeing interesting You're things. Right. And we went to the Vanishing Point deal and we were up in the mountains You're in the right. snow. It was fun. And we were on our way to Escalante driving through the mountain and the ice. And like, But like, if I was by myself, I couldn't do that. And I know you you I thrive, thrive on, on that. I thrive yeah. on it. It's, it's something that I love. I, I just, I get into this zone where I just can just think. Yeah. And I have my little notebook and I'll actually pull over and stop and write things down in my little notebook of topics I want to talk about on the show or people I want to interview or I'll think of um, cool ways of saying something. Whether if like sure. I'm in the mountain, I'll be like, oh, well, this felt like X. And then I will write that down, that that metaphor that, you know, that really hit me at that time. I'll write it down. Sure. A lot of times when I write, I will also write through the lens of nostalgia, too. So I'll I'll OK, what was that like? And I look back and try to remember how I felt, which is. That's how you're going to be. There's two ways of experiencing something. You experience it as you're experiencing it, mm -hmm. and then you experience it through memories. Right. And you experience it through telling other people the stories. And there's, I think it's important to kind of remember things both ways. Yeah. And I think remembering it through the lens of nostalgia is probably better than actually being there. Someone I once read, I don't know if it's true or not, but every time you remember a memory, you're only remembering the last time you remembered the memory. It's not like you have a catalog of that actual event. And you're replaying it in your mind. You're remembering the last time you remembered it. So that's why things like, like the fish. It's like playing telephone in yeah, your mind. Yeah, exactly. The fish always gets a little bit bigger from the fishing trip. Yeah. And, you know, everything gets a little bit more rosy yeah. colored. Yeah, for sure. So uh, how do you budget hotels, food, and experiences? Experiences are free. I don't do any paid experiences. I don't really. You're not stopping at every mini golf. <laughs> no, no, I don't do any of that. Um, hotels, I usually, it depends on sometimes I'll book all that stuff ahead of time. Right. You know, I can budget. But then okay. that lacks your freedom of like. It does, but I kind of look ahead and I've kind of gotten experience with um, where I'm going to drive and when. So I go, okay, well, I know I want to spend more time here. Sure. So I'm going to budget four to six hours with the driving because I know it's really going to take me 10 yeah. because I'm going to explore and I'm going to look around and then I'll stay here at this place, which is near where all that is. And it can kind of take your time, right? So you, sure. so you give yourself this bigger cushion. And I I don't like to sleep too cheap. You know, I like to get a decent hotel like a Holiday Inn. I'm not staying at the Cockroach RN. You know, I, <laughs> I'm not doing any of that or the Alien or whatever that other place was that I didn't stay at. Um, yeah, so I just, you got you to gotta get some sleep, right? Otherwise, yeah. you can't do it. And that's the only time where I'll wake up early, I, I, will, I will wake up at 5.30 in the morning, 6.30 in the morning, so I can quit driving when it gets dark. Yeah. 
and then you can relax. That's, that's when it gets dangerous and exhausting. Yeah, it does. And I've 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 put myself in the position where I took too long to get somewhere. Right. Because I was screwing around or taking pictures or whatever the case may be. And then pretty soon you're like, holy cow, I am so tired, but I have to get to this place because it's already paid for. I already booked it. Right. So it, it's okay if you want to just wing it. But sometimes when you're out in the wilderness, like I was with that AMG, and you're trying to find a place to stay, <laughs> you end up playing, paying $150 for a place that doesn't even have the heat turned on in yeah. uh, in March. And you're just freezing to death with your, you're underneath a blanket and you've got all your clothes laid on top of the blanket so you can <laughs> somewhat <right>. be warm. <laughs> Jesus. So sometimes it's nice to book things ahead of time. And as for spare parts, yes, I bring, I bring some spare parts. What you need to do is you need to look at the car that you're driving. Right. I bring a coil, an ignition box, and uh, that's about it. Really? That's, that's really all you can bring in a 911. Well, is, and your fan belt. And your fan belt. And yeah, your well, that should be in that. your that should be in your car at all times. Your yes. fan belt's in your car. Well, that's a spare. Uh, it is, I guess so. But it's it goes in your if you have a toolkit, that's in your toolkit already. Yeah. So that's not really spare parts in terms of of bringing additional things along. And then I bring just the. Did we do a? We should. We did a road trip prep episode. Yeah, we did this back uh, way back. But we did. I bring the common, you know, six, eight, ten, thirteen, seventeen, nineteen. Yep. Um, there's some fifteen millimeter stuff. Allen's vice grips, pliers. You got to balance it with how, what are you actually going to be able to change on the side of the road? Exactly. And only don't bring tools it. for that. Exactly. If you can't change it, don't bring a tool to fix it. Exactly. And uh, that's probably where we can leave. That. So we also got an email from one of our fans. Oh, good. Um, after this, I want everybody to go leave a review. Uh, and uh, for us, we'll just let you know what we're dealing with here. So uh, this uh, this is from fuck off at fuckoff.com. Uh, no phone number. Uh, he didn't want me to give him a call. And this is, Something tells me that that email address is not actually the message a real says, address. Uh, fuck you and your shitty podcast. It's people like you that make me want to sell all my cars and ride a fucking bicycle. <laughs> go fuck yourselves in the with a splintered piece of kindling. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of stuff comes in every once in a while. Um, so if you could go ahead and leave us a review, that's nice. Give us a sub. Uh, hit the subscribe button. We would really appreciate that. That helps us out a lot. And we get uh, Mr. Fuck Off to the bottom of the list again. It's it's the same guy. He keeps, like, leaving new reviews. And I, I don't know who it is, but um, he didn't have the courage to let us know who he actually is, which is... Well, he doesn't like us, apparently. No, no. He. How long do you think he came, took to, came up, to come up with splintered piece of kindling? Do you think he ran through his mind about a bunch of stuff? Broomstick? No. No, that's too smooth. Uh, well, kindling, but not just kindling. Splinter, splinter. kindling. <laughs> I wonder if he had a splinter at that time. Like he was like, yeah, he's he's like oh, I got the splinter that. really bothers. Yeah, it's it. Splinter kindling. <laughs> on that note, guys, we will see you on Friday. Do we know what's going on on Friday? I don't. I don't either. We're going to have to figure that out.